Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey friends, it's Melvin. I hope that you're doing well. So we're actually on break from the Selling the Couch podcast, but I hope that you enjoyed this podcast conversation from our archives. In the meantime, if you are thinking about creating an online course, I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income uh, beyond therapy work or Uh, just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way uh, beyond just our geographic area. If all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide. Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a $297 first sale and through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course. We've now had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the Healthcasters podcasting course, and I've learned a ton about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience, so meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that, but this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like. We'll actually take time and and actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download again the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session. Have a great rest of your day. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 239 of Selling the Couch. Hope uh, you're doing really well. I'm actually recording this in early April, and we are currently in a shelter in place here in Philadelphia. 
due to the COVID-19 epidemic. It's just been, we're, we're making the best of it. And, you know, I, I feel like all of us are doing that. And so, especially if you have loved ones that are on the front lines, especially if you have been trying to navigate how to manage the practice and transitioning it to to online counseling and all of those different things, please know I'm thinking about you and please join the community on Sign the Couch community on Facebook over at signthecouch.com forward slash community. There are a number of great conversations and resources being exchanged on how to navigate this. I actually recently did a whole one-hour Q&A with Roy Huggins from Person-Centered Tech all about how to quickly transition to telemedicine while maintaining a quality of care for our clients. And so you can also find that conversation in the community as well. And if you're part of the STC newsletter, which you can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter, I'll pass that along to you guys there as well. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Today's podcast conversation is all about search engine optimization, and I titled it Amazing SEO from Day One. So I know if you guys have heard episodes of this podcast, many of the other podcasts out there, you know the importance of a website. The website is our modern day business card, and it's a great way for people to know about uh, those we serve. Now, SEO is the second part of a website, so you definitely want to make a nice website that is inviting and all of those things. But SEO is basically the idea of making sure that the people who need to be finding your website are finding it. My guest today is Dr. Melissa Hall. And Melissa and I have been friends for the past couple of years, and she knows a ton of stuff when it comes to SEO. And today, we are just breaking it down into language that's easy to understand. Uh, We're going really deep into three basic tips to get better SEO. For example, how do you get the right people to your website? How do you get people to stay on your website once they're there? And then how do you get people to take action on your website? So potential clients, how do you get them to actually go from reading the content on your website to scheduling that initial consult or that first session or whatever it is? And what are sort of you know, underlying it, what are the things that we need to be doing in terms of the content that we're putting on our website in order to do that. Before we do get to today's podcast session, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Therapy Notes for supporting today's session and this month's podcast sessions. Uh, Therapy Notes is electronic health records. It's actually the HR that I use for my online practice, and they're a local company, and I've gotten to know 
the creators, several members of the team. And one of the things that's really impressed me the most is when I am struggling with something, and I like tech, but when it's something related to the the program, when I, you know, for example, I had to set up like a client portal and I, and somebody was, somebody set up a time to meet with me, even was willing to stay beyond hours just to make sure that everything was okay. You can learn more about therapy notes over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash therapy notes. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Dr. Melissa Hall from mydigitalmaven.com. Hey, Melissa, welcome back to Selling the Couch. Thanks so much for having me. I am excited to be back again. I was like looking at, you know, the last time that you were on the podcast and it's been a couple of years. I, I still can't, one, I can't believe how time flies. And two, I'm just so excited. I told you this before we even started recording, but just the ways that you think about, you know, your skill set and what you bring to the table and how you're constantly thinking about like diversification, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) Just how you're wired, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I've been able to, you know, channel it into something that can kind of help other people and help my family, you know, by making money too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what it's about, right? So I wanted to ask a question or actually maybe a statement. Melissa, for you, I want you to fill in the blank. To me, SEO means... So to me, SEO means that the clients who want what you offer can easily find you online. And that would be products, services, whatever, right? Exactly. And that's, I mean, it really is as simple as that if you want to break it down, you know, and that's whether, yeah, you want a new pair of shoes and you go online to find that, or someone is looking for therapy for their teenage daughter and they want to find somebody who can, who specializes in teenagers, you know, whatever it is. I want to ask like a really silly question. So, I mean, it sounds like when you're talking about this, it's more than just like creating a website and just saying, hi, I'm Melvin Bargis. I'm a psychologist. Like it's more than just putting up a website and typing up some random content. SEO is a little bit like it's kind of the next level. That it, does that sound right or accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of people that I hear from will say, you know, oh, I already have a website, but it's not ranking and search, right? And so you can make the most beautiful, amazing website, but if nobody can find it, then you know what's the point? It's kind of like having a brick and mortar business that's in the middle of nowhere that nobody ever drives by or knows exists. You know, so SEO is is what gets people to actually see what it is that you have to offer. And that is really to me, it's as important. And I love design. So I love having a pretty website, <laughs> you know, or making a pretty website. But but SEO really is just as important as having a nice website. Yeah, it's almost like they're like the they're joined together, right? So like the 1A, 1B kind of thing. If And I would even say it sounds like almost like SEO, it can be almost more beneficial than having a pretty website. Because if people are finding it, right? They know that you have a special, a certain specialty or a certain niche. Yeah. I would say, especially in the beginning, it is the thing to focus on. And I kind of have this broken down into three tips or three strategies, like three ways to think about SEO. And I should say, 
I say SEO knowing that almost everyone has heard the term, but a lot of people don't know what it stands for. So that's search engine optimization. So that means when you type into Google or if you use, you know, Yahoo search or Bing or on your Safari browser on your iPhone, this is applying to any of those. Google is by far the most common and the one that we really emphasize, but any of those other things all include search engine optimization. So this is optimizing your website so that it shows up, you know, ideally at the top or near the top when someone does a search for something. You said you had some, the way you think about it is sort of like, you know, just sort of these three tips and let's dive right into it because I'm like nerdily excited (laughs) to hear. So maybe what we'll do is we'll kind of just share, you know, one of those at a time and we can dive real deep into each of those. How does that sound? Cool. I like it. Yeah. So, and these three are really something that even if you don't have a website today, these are the three things to keep in mind as you create all parts of your website and through every step of the process. And if you already have a website and even, you know, like you and me, Melvin, you know, we've had a website for years and it does rank fairly well for certain terms. These are still things that I have to keep in mind when I'm doing my own audit or review, or sometimes I'll do something like this and, and think of something, one little thing that I can do that can further improve that. So, um, so these do apply to kind of any stage that you're in, but they are crucial to think about at every stage of the website creation process. Well, Melissa, I think you just said a key point, which is there's like a fluidity to SEO. It's not like one day you pop in and and put in some keywords and then just kind of call it a day. That's something that you're constantly refining that over time and tweaking and all of those different things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a really good point. You know, kind of to preface this, I think, is that SEO is something, it is not something like a website that you kind of set up and then are done or feel like you're done. It is an ongoing process. It's not something you can ever let up on. And that might feel a little overwhelming, but hopefully through these tips, it'll, it'll feel a lot easier. But it is something you have to know from the beginning that it's something you have, you have to focus on ideally mo- at least monthly. You should be focusing on your SEO in some way. So um, what would you say the, the first tip is? Yeah. So the first thing you want to do for SEO is to get the right people to your website. So um, this might sound like, well, of course, that's what you want to do. But a lot of therapists are thinking kind of in general terms when they're thinking about how do I want to describe things on my website? What type of web pages do I want to have? And one of the things I like to say is that Google ranks web pages, not websites, which isn't 100% true, but for the most part is true. Meaning that if someone types in anxiety therapist in Philadelphia because they're feeling anxiety and they live in Philadelphia. And so they want a therapist who can help with that. And that is a a common term that people type in um, pretty much in any city. They don't want an eating disorder specialist to show up as like the first person on their Google search, right? They want someone who's for one in in their location in Philadelphia. And they want someone who is going to be talking about anxiety. And ideally, it wouldn't be if you are that anxiety specialist in Philadelphia, it wouldn't even be your homepage that would show up at the top of Google. It would be your specific web page that's talking about treating anxiety. So maybe, you know, maybe you call it like anxiety counseling or therapy for anxiety or something like that. 
but it would be it would be that specific. And Google wants to show that page to those people who are typing in that search. They're not going to show your homepage. They're not going to show your about page. They want to show the anxiety page. So the person clicks on that and immediately gets that need met. They're like, yes, this is what I was looking for. Well, I mean, that's really interesting because I think like, so I think what you're saying is like, it's a good idea to think about what people's, like what people are searching for, right? The user's intent versus solely focusing on how can I have like a creative and fun sounding niche or a specialty page or something like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and the key with that is you do have to know what those potential people are searching for. So one, you know, and I I know you've talked about this on, you know, you've had multiple people bring up this topic, but you do have to know what is your niche and you can absolutely have multiple niches, right? So you you want to have more than just that anxiety page. You know, you could have one that's on working with teens. You could have one that's on working with couples. And and I think that might take a little bit of pressure off the people who get a little uncomfortable, feeling like they're boxing themselves in with a niche. You can have, you know, a few different ones and most therapists do, and then just create a web page for each one of those so that you can really dig in and get detailed on each of those individual web pages. But you also, as a part of that, need to know what people are typing in when they are searching for that. So a lot of times what we think people are typing in is not what they're actually typing in, right? So we might think, oh, well, anxiety therapy. And especially so like as a psychologist, I never used the word counseling, right? Like that was not taught in my grad school. We very much kind of separated ourselves from that term. I was just not used to using that. And it wasn't until I was, I had an online business and was meeting people from different professions, but then also looking into this SEO stuff that I realized, oh, I need to start using the word counseling just as much as I use the word therapy, because that's what a lot of regular people type in, you know, for different things. So, or they might use the word counselor. And so it's important to think from the client's perspective and get out of our own heads. And there's nothing wrong with me as a psychologist using the word counseling throughout the website, as well as therapy, as well as psychotherapy, you know? So I think, you know, that can be really helpful. Also, I will say even as someone who's literally doing SEO research to build websites for other therapists, sometimes, you know, someone's in a different location and I'm doing the research to choose, you know, what SEO terms we're going to try and optimize for this website because you you know, we can't optimize for a hundred different terms. So we're gonna try and really narrow it down and focus on a few. I will often be surprised by what people are typing in. And it's different in different locations. And if you want, I can give you some examples just of things I never would have typed in. Yeah. So, and a lot of times this is kind of one of the fun things of my job is I can kind of let myself go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, what comes up next? Oh, let me click on that. What comes up next? You know, and then and keep searching through. So one thing that a lot of people don't think that I find comes up in a lot of cities is the term African-American therapist. So I will find a lot of African-American therapists actually specifically try to hide that information or or don't say that term on their website. But people are searching for it very consistently because people want that. They want to find a therapist that they know will understand certain aspects of their life that they know other therapists won't. So that's something, if you're an African-American therapist, you want to have that term somewhere on your website and you absolutely want to have pictures of yourself so that people know. (laughs) Because, you know, true 
are the majority of people looking for therapy typing in that term? No. But are enough people typing in that term in a lot of cities that you could probably fill your practice? Yes, 100%. That's so interesting. I mean, as you were talking about this, I almost think there's like a certain level of what sort like humility that we have to have as like professionals instead of making assumptions about what terms people might be looking for or even assuming that people are searching for certain terms. I think it requires a certain level of humility to say, maybe what I really should be doing is trying to figure out what the general population is looking for and then trying to rank for those keywords. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it requires us to to really like rethink a lot of our assumptions. So I'll, I'll talk about one more example. I was doing a website for a group practice in around Salt Lake City, Utah. And one of the terms that kept coming up, and I did not type in anything around this, but as I started looking up different therapist type search terms, people were looking for therapists. Um, they were looking for non-LDS therapists. And LDS stands for Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon church, which is really is very prevalent in Utah. So that was really interesting that a lot of people were actually looking for a non-LDS therapist. So that was something that then I could go to the group practice owner and say, hey, this is a really common search term. You know, what do you think about that? And then she was able to say, oh yeah, a lot of people, she's like, that's not surprising to me because so many of our clients are saying this, this, and this. And then we were able to integrate that into the website in a, you know, in a respectful way. They didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to scare off people who wouldn't be typing that in. But we were able to integrate that in different ways. And a lot of that had to do with they they saw a lot of people who were questioning their sexuality. And so we kind of focused on on that part. But that's something, you know, I wouldn't have thought to type in as somebody who lives in Southern California, right? <laughs> but it immediately came up as that's a need. That's something that people in that area, you know, want. So if you can meet that need, then it's really important to know that. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because even like when I was thinking Salt Lake City, I would actually thought the opposite. Like they would want an LDS therapist, right? Which is, I mean, I think it speaks to sort of the assumptions that that we we have and what the actual data says. Exactly, exactly. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there are fewer religious people there, but I would I would just think that maybe people want to be free to question that kind of thing in their therapy, right? Or they want to be able to talk about things, you know, feeling that there's not going to be any judgment there. This is a really random question. So you said like you you search for these words. Are there like any like free tools or low cost tools out there where therapists can search for like these keywords? Yeah. So a free tool is it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it'll definitely get you on the right track is literally using Google. And when you start, you'll notice anytime you're in any search engine, really, when you start to type something in, it will pop up other words at the end of your phrase, right? Like predicting what you're searching for. That prediction right there is based on what other people are typing in from that first, you know, one or two words from your phrase. So that right there helps you like go ahead and just click enter and go with whatever that prediction is. Then scroll down to the bottom of the Google page and you'll see it'll literally tell you, you know, other people searched for and it'll give you often like six to eight other phrases. And then you could just click on that, see what that other phrase says, and then scroll down to the bottom of that page. What are the other things people are typing in? So that doesn't give you information as far as, you know, 
how many people is that one person or is that, you know, a thousand other people who type that in? But it is it, Google's not doing that for no reason, right? So it is a really good indicator of whether or not you're on the right track and it will give you a good idea of some different terms to put in. So that's totally free and anybody could go and do that right now, right? And you could you know, do that for five phrases. There you go, you have five phrases. Another tool that that's low cost is called Keywords Everywhere. And, and that one does actually give you a count of how many people have typed that in. Now it's, it's based on search within the US. So it'll tell you how many people typed in that search per month. So that one is especially helpful for like local terms. So if you put in your city name, then and you know, counseling or therapists or something like that, it'll tell you how many people are searching for that. And that can be helpful to know like, what are the surrounding towns maybe that other people are typing in? Maybe you're five minutes from another town and you want to put that town's name on your website along with wherever it is that you're located because more people are typing in that town name than where you live, just as an example. What are, and then uh, just nerd question, but I guess like what do professionals use like when it comes to these tools? Because I, I've looked into some of these and, and they're like, they're expensive and they're complicated, but what are some of those other options? Yeah, I know a big one is AREFS, which is A-H-R-E-F-S. And I have a membership with them and I've kind of gone off and on with their paid membership because you it can get really... You can get as complicated as you want <laughs> as far as like comparing yourself to other websites and all of that stuff. Moz, M-O-Z, has a ton of free resources. And then they also have, you know, like a membership and they have different courses and they have webinars and they have all kinds of other resources that that professional people use. So so those are kind of the two big ones that immediately come to mind that more like people in the industry are usually using. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you for those. So the first tip is get the right people to your website using these various tools and really think about it as web pages versus a website. What would you say is the second tip? Yeah. So the second one is to get people to stay on your website. So once and this should be easier when you have the right people finding your website. One of the things that Google likes to see is that people click on your website and then don't immediately click away. Because if we immediately click away, that usually means that, you know, that website didn't meet your need. So if people are staying on your website, meaning they literally stay on that web page and maybe read through it, read to the bottom of it, stay on it for a minute or longer, then maybe even click on to go to a different web page from that web page, that means Google, that's telling Google, oh, this website met that person's need and is interesting to them. And I should show this to other people who are searching for that term. So it really is that simple. And the the way to get people to stay on your website is to make it interesting. So this is where I do think you know the design matters and making your website user-friendly matters. Making it user-friendly on mobile matters, right? So all these different things to consider just about literally when someone who does, who's not a therapist goes on your website, can they easily navigate it, get their questions answered? Is it appealing to them? Meaning that, you know, if you focus on teens, for example, in your practice, does it look more trendy? Does it look fun? Is it engaging? Versus if you are focusing on you know, professional couples, then maybe you do have a little bit more clean and simple look, for example. So, you know, 
it doesn't mean that there's one way to do a website. It just means that whoever that person is that's searching for it, is it appealing to them? And is it really easy for them to use? Now, there's obviously a million tips within that. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably like 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a good point because I, I, when you were talking, I just thought, you know, that's the link between this whole idea of like putting words on the site versus the aesthetics, right? So when somebody is searching for something, they come to our website and they're looking at and reading through the content, but the visual aspect of it's so important. Do they connect, right? I mean, I have a very small online practice and it's primarily catered toward entrepreneurs and people in leadership. And even when I created it, like I thought a lot about like the images I put on there, right? So I put like a lot of images of like co-working spaces, like modern co-working spaces, because I just felt like, I don't know, that was the type of entrepreneur that I was envisioning, you know, working with. Yeah, exactly. And so you really want to think about that. And that was, I think, a big lesson for me when I built my very first website, you know, five plus years ago now, I initially thought like, oh, I have to look so professional. And I had like the classic stock photos of people in business suits, like shaking hands and stuff like that. And then I realized I was actually going through a business course and then realized, oh, no, what people say consistently that they like about me is that I'm down to earth, that I've made things really easy to understand, that my trainings were really engaging and fun, and they like that they can connect with me as a person. And I was like, my website doesn't say that at all. So then I com- I did a complete revamp of my website and um, you know really thinking from that perspective and it definitely made it more interesting. That is really interesting. So to that point about you know getting people to stay on your website. So you've designed a lot of websites for for therapists. What would you say is like the biggest mistake that clinicians tend to make when it comes to getting people to stay? Is it is it the visual aspect? Is it like not mobile friendly? Like what's the what do you see over and over again? You know, I think there's a lot, but <laughs> I'll choose one that I think is most a very common misconception. What I'll hear so many people say is I don't want to have a lot of words on the web page. And they'll say, you know, because none of us want to Obviously, none of us want to click on a website and just see a big wall of text, right? Unless we're looking for a research article, maybe. We know, we all know inherently that we want something to be visually appealing and and easy to look at. But all of these search engines are using the, literally using the words on your page to read that web page and know what it's about. So it's important for the SEO to actually have words on the page and to have a good number, meaning ideally about 500 or more. But just having a bunch of words on the page can make it really boring, make it really uninteresting. So it does need to be the right words. And if you're really thinking from your client's perspective and what do they want to hear and using the words to connect with them, and you're thinking about the SEO, but more importantly, in this part, you are really thinking about what are what are the questions people ask me? What are the things people always tell me? I hear over and over from people. What are the things that people are always so feel so relieving for them to hear from me. You know, what is it you can offer on your website that will keep people reading? What is it that that person who's looking for therapy really needs to hear? And if it is, if you have the right words on the website, people will read it. They won't just scroll past it. It'll be connecting with them and they'll keep going. So all of like really good points. So let me just make sure I heard correctly. So 
like lots of words matter, like 500 and above is ideal, but the power of those words equally matter. So it, it shouldn't just be like almost like keyword stuffing and kind of, but it's more, I guess, uh, I almost think like, and I mean, this is true. It's each of these specialty pages are like a sales page essentially, right? And so how do you have those words that both rank for SEO, but you also have to emotionally connect with with potential clients that want to keep them reading and and then want to learn more and ideally schedule a consult with you, schedule a first session with you, something like that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's, I would say, focus on the quality over quantity. You know, it's better to have 350 really good words than 500 words that don't connect. And then you can always add more later. So this is something I've struggled on with my private practice website, which is, I feel like mine is, I mean, I definitely, I think need to add more words to it because just hearing you talk about it, but I feel like a struggle that, I mean, you hit the nail on the head is I I didn't want to like have a bunch of words because I didn't know, like I understand, I, you know, I understand it more now just hearing our conversation, but the importance of keywords, but I just didn't know how to like, even, I don't know, like formatting wise, how to put like a lot of content on there without it boring people or without people glossing over that kind of thing. So how do you account for that? Or what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, a lot of times I'll just practically like break it up. So you know, you could have some kind of like a key paragraph and and some bullet points. Like I, I like to use bullet points a lot because I feel like visually it makes it easier for people to scan things and read through and then have pictures, you know, on the side or something like that. And then you can always have like a call to action, which means, you know, literally inviting people to contact you to make an appointment and then continue with more information after that. So not everyone has to read through the whole thing. Some people might click right away. And then other people, you know, might want to read the rest. I think, you know, it's important to know too, like different people like different things. So I'm one of those people, I'm totally blanking on the name of this test right now, but I love personality tests. But the one where it it's really for like the type of work that you you like and it I'm called a fact finder. Okay. Oh, I'm like blanking on it too. It's based on the books. Strengths finder, is that it? It's not Strengths Finder. It's another one that's it's more specific about like the type of work you do and really, really it relates to entrepreneurs. I will look it up and, and so you can put it in the show notes. <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> I'll give it to you. But I'm a fact finder. So that means I am the person who likes information. I like facts. I want to know. So I'm the person who's probably going to read the whole webpage. A lot of people aren't going to do that. And that's okay. Other people just really are more about like, get to the point. So on your webpage, you can meet both of those people's needs by visually kind of breaking things up or offering a you know a button closer to the top to schedule an appointment and then the people who want more info they can keep scrolling the people who just wanted to like get those key points and then are ready to schedule they can hit that button and go ahead and do that it's cool what would you say is the the final point so the final point is related to that get people to take action so this is i would say one of the easiest and one of the easiest to handle and most common mistakes I see on people's websites. So if you already have a website, absolutely go to your website, check this out. Does every single page, every single page of your website have your phone number, your email, and your physical address? Even like right now, we're recording this and we're all in quarantine or a lot of us are in quarantine. 
you know, but that's not going to be permanent. For example, if you're doing online sessions right now, right? Like always have your physical address on there. People want to easily know where you are and you would not believe how many therapist websites I go to. And the only place they have that information is on their contact page. So I could click through and read all these other pages and I have, I literally have no idea where they're located. Why is that important in terms of like, why is that important to put it on multiple pages? Because that is a decision maker for a lot of people. So like I live in in Huntington Beach, California. There's a ton of traffic in LA and Orange County. And someone might be physically somewhat close, right? So Google might be showing me people within 10 miles. But there are certain cities that if I drive, I'm not driving 10 miles to go to that city for therapy because you know, it might take me an hour to get there every time. Now that, you know, that does depend on maybe like if you have a certain specialty, but, but for a lot of people, they're making a decision based on what is easy for me to get to. Oh, this is 10 minutes away. This is five minutes away. This is around the corner from my office or my house. And so it's really, really important for you to have that. And if you have that information that helps people take action and then literally on every web page, tell people what to do. You have to tell people what to do. Like it does have to be as clear as click here to schedule an appointment. And you should have some statement like that on every single web page. And this is like blog posts, everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it may be like maybe on your about page, you also have a statement like, you know, click here to learn more about anxiety therapy or click here to learn more about EMDR if that's a big focus of yours. You know, it could be different things, but I've heard it talked about like your website is your home. And so if somebody enters your home, you have to guide them and give them a tour and tell them where to go next. So think about that. Like on this particular web page, where do I want people to go next? And then tell them to do that. That's cool. Um, I have a really like silly question and maybe we can sort of wrap up with this one. But so for somebody that has an online practice that maybe doesn't have a physical address or they're working from home and they don't want to give their physical address, what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, that one, it is a little bit harder, I will say. Um, But one of the things you can do is if you... Most of us do have some kind of physical address. And ideally, if you can have that be somewhat local to like an area that you want to target, you can still list your like list your business on Google My Business and it's not going to be the actual address, but you can still use that because you'll at least be able to get a little bit more like SEO juice from using some locations. One thing I did when I was doing online therapy was I targeted different counties. So I kind of looked up within California, which I'm fortunate to be in a very large state with a lot of people, right? So there's a lot of options for online therapy. Um, but I looked up, you know, like what counties had low numbers of therapists or, you know, knowing that, okay, people in rural areas actually might be more likely to want online therapy than someone in Orange County, for example, where they have tons of options for going in person. You know, a lot of people in rural areas don't have that option. So they actually might look for that. So, and it's kind of the same thing like with any location, then understanding what are the terms people are typing in if they're looking for online therapy and and finding a way to distinguish yourself there. That's cool. Um, so I guess, again, this might be a silly question. I feel like I'm asking a lot of silly questions, but like, can you use like a UPS store or something like that? Like, because um, you said like there could be, you know, you could use like a physical, like, can you use something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. And then of course, you know, you want to like make it clear on your website that it would be online instead. 
but it definitely helps. And that way you can still target it because Google's still going to use, even if they're not using your location, they're using your potential client's location when they're giving them search results. So that's why I, I chose to kind of try and target different counties. And that way, because sometimes people type in county names and not city names if you don't live like in a big city. I see. Okay. And so, you know, that way, at least you do want to ch- try and target things. And, and everything with SEO is a test. It doesn't mean you're going to do that and it's going to be perfect. You do it and you test it and you see what happens. And then you look at the data and then you make adjustments based on, on what information you're getting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Melissa, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for just sharing your knowledge. I feel like even just being on the interview side of this has just been so encouraging to think. And it definitely gives me a lot of things to think about. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I, it's so much fun to talk about. I could talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Where can we learn about you and some of the awesome stuff that you're doing in the world? Yeah, you can go to mydigitalmaven.com. And if you want to go to mydigitalmaven.com slash Melvin, that should be fairly easy for everybody to remember. Uh, then you can check out a webinar that I have where I dig into these these topics on SEO a lot more deeply and go through some more specific strategies. So it's it's actually like an hour and 45 minute webinar. So if you are one of those people who wants a lot more info, check that out. And if not, you can just you know go to my digital maven and and find out more. I have lots of blog posts, and so if you want to get more specific on on different topics, we we'll dig in there. Perfect, Melissa. Thank you so much for setting up that page again. That's mydigitalmaven.com forward slash Melvin. Melissa, thank you again for doing this, and please stay safe. Yeah, you too. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Melissa, and especially if you have been trying to figure out how to navigate this world of search engine optimization. I hope that today's podcast session has just been helpful for you. You know, one of the one of the things is when I record these episodes, sometimes I get really excited and I want to like simultaneously take notes for my own private practice website. And this was definitely one of those sessions. I learned that one of the things that I need to really think about on my private practice website, which you can check out over at melvinvergis.com, is that I need to do a little bit better job with my specialty pages. I feel like they're, the words are powerful on them, but I, I really do need to think about like what people might be searching for in order so that I can rank uh, properly and continue to rank well and tweak and all of those different things. Melissa mentioned that a free webinar. And again, that's over at mydigitalmaven.com forward slash Melvin, mydigitalmaven.com forward slash Melvin. And that goes, that webinar goes really deep into some of the stuff that we talked about. If you really want to learn more and, and totally nerd out on this stuff, Melissa also provides a number of resources and services for therapists in private practice. And you can again, check that out at mydigitalmaven.com. I wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. 
The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the core launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this replay episode. And again, just wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the core launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.